Good morning, everyone. Don't you just love Jesus? I mean, isn't he awesome? Man, I just love him so much. And I know that may sound redundant, sound cliche. But that's what I feel is happening in my life is I'm just falling more and more in love with him every day. And I hope the same thing's happening to you. You know, I, I believe he wants to change our view of him. Every idea that we have of God that's not biblical needs to change. And unfortunately, a lot of our ideas are traditional or religious, and they're not of God. Unfortunately, we, because we've grown up with un, un, um, imperfect parents, imperfect fathers, uh, maybe abusive situations, whatever the case is, we've, we've gained our identity or understanding of God based on, on man, on our fathers, and we can't. Sometimes we can't break away from that. You know, if we had, if we were fortunate and we had good fathers, wonderful fathers who were very loving and giving and caring and nurturing, they disciplined us when we need it. But they always showed us and reminded us how much they loved us. You know, praise God for that. But if we didn't have that, if we weren't fortunate enough to have that, regardless of how we view our fathers, we need to know that God is wonderful. He's loving. You know, sometimes I think about it. You know, I think of the ultimate, awesome creator of the universe, which we can't, you know, as big as the universe is, we can't understand that. You know, just look at mountains, the wonderful majesty of, of tremendous big mountains, and realize the one that created all that, he wants to be close to you. I mean, isn't that something? I used to think that he was so busy keeping things in order, like it takes him a lot of effort, you know. You know, he's sitting there busy. He's like, right, not right now, CJ, I'm busy, you know, and he's juggling things. And, and that's not him at all. He says, let there be and there be. So he has time. For you. He wants us to draw near to him. He's the one that initiates the the relationship, says, come draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. He says, turn to me, seek my face. I mean, sometimes it's hard for me to, hard for me to comprehend. It's, It's amazing, and I just appreciate um, the Lord giving that to Chris this morning. Just a wonderful analogy of, of, a, of a groom, a bridegroom coming and, and inviting his bride to come and be a part of his life. And that whole picture, and that's a picture of Jesus in the church. Isn't that amazing? He was going to put my chair down with me in it. And so it kind of reminded me of a situation that had... <clears throat> When we first moved out to our property, there was a lot of logs and things that needed to be cleared out. And so we were all went out there. We, we all went out there. Just hush. Okay. We all went. I love him. He knows it. I respect him. Um, we went out to clear some stuff out. and There's a bunch of corroded logs and woods and big pieces, and we're trying to put them in this huge pile to burn them so we could have a nice play area, you know, in the trees for our children and stuff. And we were working and breaking stuff in half. And and my husband, we came across this big log that we couldn't move. So my husband came up with this really brilliant idea. He said, honey, you stand on this end, and I will jump on this end, and it will break. That was a good idea. No, Lisa went flying through the air. I didn't get hurt, but I will no longer stand on that end of the log. 
So when you said, oh, here, I'll put it down with me sitting in there, oh, no, that was just a disaster waiting to happen. You know, I appreciate when the Lord, um, you know, gives you direction, helps you to know what you need to do next. And and I uh, was strongly impressed by him to talk about relationships this week. And I just thought it was interesting because Chris had no idea, but I just thought it was a wonderful analogy of that picture of the bride and the bridegroom. And I appreciate when God highlights or he confirms what he's wanting to deal with, what he's wanting to minister, what he's wanting to talk about. Because I believe whenever, whatever the topic is, whether it's dealing with sin that we need to repent of, I see opportunities like that as a, as a wonderful gift of God an invitation is as we respond to him, then we're going to move to a higher place. See, it's not that God's wanting to deal with this stuff so he can get after it, so he can backhand us and, and get it straightened out. And unfortunately, a number of you have that view, opinion of God. That he's waiting for you to get out of line so he can backhand you and get you straightened back out again. And that is not how he is. And if you want to get a better understanding of of the love of God and how he is, just look at Jesus. He is the perfect representation of the Father. It's not like God was a meanie and Jesus was a nice man. God sent Jesus on this planet so we can get a better revelation and understanding of what God is like. So when you read the scriptures of Jesus, that's what God looks like. That's how God is. When you see the tenderness and Uh, How he is. You know the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. She sinned. I mean, she was guilty as charged. I kind of wonder about her partner that she was guilty with. I wonder where he was. But she was guilty. And they brought her before him and said, the law says this. You know what? They were right. She was guilty. She deserved to be stoned. But we see how Jesus dealt with her in that situation. He says, well, go ahead and throw the stones you who are without sin. And then what did he say to her? He says, don't you have any, anybody condemning you or paraphrasing? And I believe he says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. See, he didn't say what you were doing was okay. He knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. He says, hey, I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. You know, in our lives, every aspect of our lives should be about loving and honoring Jesus. Would you agree with that? Every aspect of our lives. Not just our Sunday morning lives. Not just our Wednesday night or our Bible study lives. But every aspect of our lives should reflect and should demonstrate that we love and honor Jesus. And so I want to ask you, what about the area of, of relationships? For some reason, there seems to be with a lot of people a disconnect. You know, I can worship Jesus on Sunday and, and come up to the altar and cry and, and enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit and, and all that. And then but when it comes to relationships, it's like, I call the shots, anything goes, I can do what I want. Now, theoretically, we wouldn't believe that, but practically, that's how a lot of us live. And one thing, if if we would, we'd probably all agree that outside of our relationship with Jesus Christ, relationships in general, marriage, Relationships is the most important thing on the earth. Would you agree? Because what's the one thing we're going to carry into eternity? What's the one thing that lasts forever? What is the kingdom of heaven about? It's all about relationships. Would you agree? And so wouldn't you think that God would have something to say about that area of our lives? Or is he saying, you know, I, I care about you so much And even though this particular area is so important, I'm just going to leave this to you. You do what you want. Does he do that? 
And some of us take that way. We do what we want. We, we go our own way, and we get ourselves in a lot of trouble, and then we wonder, God, I thought you loved me. Question for you. So when you say relationships, and then you say marriage, so is, there, is that all the same thing? I mean, like you can have relationships with your sisters, brothers and sisters in Christ, and then you have relationships with your marriage or people who you kind of like, you know, with the opposite gender. So, like, you put relationships all together. So are you talking about relationships get carried into heaven or marriage gets carried into heaven? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, obviously marriage doesn't get carried into heaven, but our relationships with people, how we deal with people. And what I want to, you know, when I, when I got saved, when I became a Christian, um, I was going to OSU here. And those of you who know my testimony, I didn't come from a rough lifestyle or a back, you know, a past. You know, I had parents that were divorced, so I had some issues and all that kind of thing. But I didn't do the the, the rebellious thing and get into all kinds of stuff. But when I came to Jesus, when I got saved, I had a revelation of His goodness to the extent that I realized that man, I was not, I was bad, I was a sinner. I deserved hell, just like the worst drug dealer or murderer or whatever. And so when I came to him, I was just undone. And it's like, oh, my goodness. I just became so radically in love with this man, with God. And so I'm moving along. Here I am, 18 years old, um, on campus at Oklahoma State, and living life, going to school, loving life, excited about Jesus. And all of a sudden, there's this species called girls. Lots of them. And it's like, hey, this is pretty cool. But I was challenged by my pastor, the one who led me to the Lord, Don Avery. And I remember him because, you know, as, as I'm kind of living life and, and you see your, your friends and, and, and acquaintances going through the relationship thing. You know, guys and girls hooking up and then breaking up. And then the, the despair, the drama, and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. And you see that over and over and over. And I think some of you know what I'm talking about. I think that happens today still. No, this is back in the 80s. Oh, okay. But I went through that. And, and I remember my pastor challenging me and saying, because um, he was talking about relationships. And I, I can't remember specifically what he was saying, but what I got out of the challenge was, are you willing to submit your relationships to Jesus. Now, in the context he was referring to was, was romantic relationships. In other words, the desire to be with someone of the opposite sex, the desire for marriage or the desire for those things. And he said, are you willing to commit that area to Jesus? And what he meant by that, because, of course, we'd say, oh, yeah, Jesus, yes, you're my, you're my Lord. But what he meant by that, and this is where it got pretty pretty scary. He says, are you willing to, as you're pursuing Jesus, as you're walking with him and fulfilling God's will for your life, are you willing to give up your pursuit of the opposite sex and trust that God will bring that person into your life if he sees fit? Whoa. Now, hold so, on. We're talking reality check right here. Do I trust that he, in other words, that I don't have to do the, the dating thing, that I don't have to, to, to scope out the scene and try to get to know and find the right girl, which is pretty common around here in our society called dating. Do I trust him enough? Is he real enough to me that I would say, Lord, I'm going to put that down. I'm going to pursue you with everything, and I'm going to trust that you will bring her into my life. If you see fit. And I remember that. And, you know, I was thinking about that. I've been thinking about that this week. I was wondering, is there a Bible verse that goes with that? Because if there's not, I'm, I'm not having any part of that. But I've, I was reading Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord. With all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. 
Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, all your understanding. Or all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And then verse 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And that right there is a big problem. We, we get wise in our own eyes. We think, you know what, I can figure this thing out. I can handle this myself. So we say, you know, I know what I'm looking for in a spouse or in a relationship. I got my list. And then we go on our pursuit. But right here, God is saying, will you trust me with this particular area of your life? Now, of course, that's generally speaking, but since we're talking about this issue, do I trust him with this area, with this area of my life? And the question I have for you, and I'm, I'm speaking to single people right now, do you believe that Jesus has your best interest in mind? Don't answer that verbally, inside. Do you believe that he has your best interest in mind? Do you believe that he knows you better than you know yourself? Do you believe that he's good? Or do you believe that he, would, he wants to withhold good things from you? Do you believe that he wants to ruin your life? And some of you think your life being ruined means staying single. You know, when I was challenged with that, it wasn't just waiting for him to bring the right person in my life. But I had to settle to the point, what if he doesn't bring anybody in my life? What if his will is for me to be single for the rest of my life, even though I had a desire to be married? Would I be okay with that? And herein lies the issue. How much do I love Jesus? Because you know one, one thing that that grieves the heart of God, is that we as Christians, God sets us apart by His Spirit, by His Word, His power, and everything. He sets us on a different playing field. I mean, it's kind of like two groups of people having a test to take, a very difficult test, and one group is given all the answers to the test. And they get to take the test with all the answers. And the other group, they're on their own. That's kind of how it is with us in the world. We go through life, we go through the same challenges and issues and, and trials and things, but we get the answers. We get the Word of God, we get the power of the Holy Spirit that will enable us to do the right thing. And so we do have an advantage. But unfortunately, we throw aside or put aside that advantage and try to do things in our own strength and understanding. You know, and another on the opposite end of the spectrum, where I came from, um, I came from. We we were we were good Lutheran people, I think. You know, we were good Lutherans. Okay, um, I was not a Christian. Um, I can just tell you that. Okay, so I went to church, and what I got out from being in the Lutheran church was, as long as you're baptized when you're a baby, you're good. And you go through confirmation and, you know, as long as you know that Jesus is Lord, you had that thought like, oh, yeah, I believe, you know. And that was kind of all that, that I took away from that, you know. So um, when I was growing up, I was a very rebellious young lady. Um, and I had lots of boyfriends, lots and lots of boyfriends. Lisa never not had a boyfriend for too long because I would get lonely and board or whatever and so and we lived in a small town so it wasn't like we lived in a huge city where there is millions you know like so anyways I'll just leave that up to y'all to just think about okay um so when I came to the Lord I was just kind of figuring out you know this this dating thing is just stinks because what's the point you like somebody you get your heart knit with somebody, you break up. Because it's not like you're going to get married anyway when you're 16 or 17. And so it became just like a big joke, like, man, what's the point? What's the point of all this? Um, when I came into uh, Oklahoma, I'm not going to share my testimony because that would take the rest of the time. But um, I knew the Lord. No one told me, 
Now, Lisa, you have to give up this dating thing. I was so ready. I was so ready. I was done being hurt by the world. I was done being doing things, you know, the way everyone told you to do them. I was just finished. And so I told the Lord, I said, you know, God, I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to go out. No, I didn't say that. Sorry. I'm not going to go out with any more guys until you show me he is the one that I'm going to marry. And before, when I said that, I didn't even know that God could speak to you. I mean, seriously, I had no clue. So that put a whole other process of stuff going. But um, he really showed me that just through all that stuff. And even though I thought, you know, that means that I'm not going to get married because if I become a Christian, that means I'm never going to get married because I'm sure there's no good-looking guys who are Christians. They're all nerds. So that was kind of my thought process, just how to share that. So God had the last laugh. I know that. Um, But as CJ was even sharing, um, you know, as far as knowing, you know, Lord, who do you have for me? What's What's going on there with me? There's there's a verse I kind of pop my Bible open to, um, Ephesians um, 5, um, 15 and 16. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And it is so important as a young Christian uh, young Christian that really I was a young Christian back then okay but if you're young or if you're old wherever you're at that you can be wise and you can know what the will of the Lord is and he will show that to you and he wants to show it to you just do you like the answer that's one of the main questions you know I um you know I look at and we we all know the statistics about divorce, and I don't know, they haven't changed much as far as I know. But it's interesting that we, um, statistically, the marriages in the church and outside of the church end in divorce at the same rate, about 50%. So every two marriages in the church will end in divorce. It's like, is that God's design? Is that His purpose? I don't think so. Anybody agree with me on that? Probably not a hard one to figure out. But the thing is, is why is that? Why is it that the, that the marriages are just like that of the world? And I believe it's because for, for one part is we do, we do marriage. We do relationship just like the world. We do it the same. And we do things the way the world does, and we expect different results. We expect God's blessing. Like, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be experiencing this. I shouldn't be going through this. You know, if you're a Christian and you run up a lot of debt, you're going to have a lot of debt. Plain and simple. It's not, I'm a Christian, I can run up a lot of debt and expect God to bail me out. I'm a Christian, I can get into all kinds of relationships or get in it my way and expect God to bail me out. It doesn't work that way. You know the the scriptures, uh, whatever you sow, that will you reap? If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption and death and destruction. But if you sow to the Spirit, you know, eternal life, that was written to believers. Wasn't it? You see, the world, people in the world, they're all sowing to the flesh. That's all they can sow to. You know, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. You know, if we, if we do things according to the world standards and everything, we can expect the results. So don't be surprised. When our marriages are not working, when our hearts are being devastated and our souls are being ravaged by all kinds of pain because of the way we handle relationships. And, and so I, fortunately, well, I grew up in, in a divorced home, so I, I knew the pain of divorce firsthand. So I knew I didn't want that. And then as I was hanging out with my friends and living the college life, experiencing the culture, I saw the pain of my best friends going with a girl, being with a girl, and then breaking up, and the devastation and depression, the suicidal thoughts and tendencies, all that kind of stuff. I'm thinking, there's got to be a better way. And so when my pastor said, how many of you, would you be willing to do it this way? I made a logical decision. You know, one plus one equals two. Yeah, every time. And I was thinking, 
okay, Jesus, this guy that loves me, saved me, uh, has a calling for my life, do I trust him with my relationships? Or do I trust me, who has not had a good example, who's surrounded by a whole bunch of poor examples of how to do relationship, and I'm going to follow that pattern? I thought, no, I think I want better. I want better for me. I was just going to say, good, I'm glad you want better for you. That's right. So, uh, so anyway, so I made that decision. I said, I said, Father, I, I put down, I, I, give, I give up dating. I lay it down in exchange for you bringing the person to my life when you see fit, if you see fit. And I was more interested in the when than the if. <laughs> I was hoping the if didn't exist. And that's really a hard thing to do, you know, because even, you know, in my life where I came from, it was quite a fight. I had to understand that everything that I needed, I needed to get from Jesus, not from a man. He was my fulfillment. And then as you realize, a lot of you who are married, your fulfillment, sorry, honey, it still doesn't come from our man. We have to get our fulfillment from Jesus. He's the only one who can. Because you know what? When you get married, you're still going to get lonely. You're still going to get discouraged. You're still going to kind of get, oh, no one loves me. I just feel like I'm having such a hard day. You know, I do that. So that's why I can say that, you know, or, you know, I just wish I could someone could sit and talk with me and just be with me. Well, you know what? I need to get that from Jesus, you know, and if I demand that on my husband or ladies, if you demand that going into a marriage, you're going to be a lot of expectation is going to just throw you flat in your face and it's not going to happen. And resentment builds up in your heart, and you get embittered and discouraged, and you blame it on your husband, but really it's not him. You know, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue between us and God. And so our expectations, even when we see them from being single, going into marriage, it all has to be relying on Jesus, knowing him, letting him fulfill the needs that we have in our lives. And not saying, well, man, when I get married, things are going to be better. Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> the Bible even says, <laughs> if, you, if, if you marry, you will have trouble. <laughs> the promise from God. Woohoo! <laughs> now, I'm not saying there's not any benefits to being married. Sure, I would much rather be married to this, this gorgeous man than, than be single. But God had to work those issues out in my heart, you know, before he brought the right person. And even at one point, I know, there was a time when CJ got the okay from, from the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need men anymore. I'm fine with Jesus. And so I was kind of rude for him for a while. But God, um, he changed my heart. So because I, And I felt like I needed to come to that point, you know, where I didn't need a man. I didn't have to depend on someone to be okay. I really could manage with just me and Jesus. And that that is... You're throwing your heart and your life down there, but that's what being a Christian is, isn't it? Isn't it giving up everything, laying everything down? You know, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it type of thing, you know? Sound familiar? I think so. And that's what we have to do, you know? And relationships, they're so important because God created us to have relationships, you know, with other people and women with men and men with women. I'll go there. And... And so since that is so difficult, it's so much more important to yield that aspect of our lives to the Lord and just to give it to him. You know, unfortunately, there, there can be motivations that would drive us or, or move us towards wanting a relationship really bad. One can be fear. You know, fear that I'm going to grow old and alone, so I've got to have somebody. Um, or uh, lust. I want to have sex. Honey. Uh, I guess I was the only one. <laughs> but we, and we think that if I get married, then I can have sex all I want, and, and all that, that desire is going to be fulfilled. And those of you who are married know that's not the case all the time, is it? <laughs> Let's be real, right? People are laughing, so I think they understand. Yeah. So we can... Um, uh, fear, loneliness. 
I'm tired of being alone. I don't want to be alone the rest of my life, so I want to grab a hold of a wife or a, or a husband. And see, those are not the right motivations to carry in the marriage because that is such a high expectation that you are placing on this person. And you're expecting this person to fulfill that expectation, and they are not able to. Mm-hmm. They are not able to. And so then what happens is, is you have this whole expectation, and then you meet someone, and you throw all this on them. Boom. This is what I expect you to do for me. And so our motivation is, is totally messed up. And that's another reason why our marriages don't last. Because the, the man and the woman are coming in with all these expectations, and the other person can't handle it. Oh, here, here's another one real quick. A lot with, I know with uh, ladies. I just want a family. I just want to have babies. And, you know, so then, then I won't be lonely. And that will be so cute. I just want to have family. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, God put in us desires to want to have children. For the most part, I mean. And, um, but the thing is, is when you have children, do you realize how much they suck out of you? <laughs> not ours, though. Not ours. Not at all. But I'm just saying, it's not all like, you know, you, you realize how selfish you are really fast when you, A, get married, and B, have children. You, you really realize that you're not as lofty and godly as you thought you were. You know, it, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be with another person. There's exactly. nothing wrong with, I mean, God gave us our sex drive. I don't want him to take it away. I mean, he, he created us for these things, and that's okay, but we just have to not let that be the driving thing behind mm-hmm. while we get into a relationship. And unfortunately, that's what it is with a lot of people. So they have these huge expectations, and then they get uh, very disillusioned, very discouraged. They get divorced. And then they take, well, it didn't work. She was just the wrong woman. So they take that same expectation into the next relationship. And said, ah, you're the right one. Here, boom, put the same thing on them. And so that's why it's so important as Christians, when we come to Jesus, we let him deal with us. We let him deal with our stuff, our emotions, our baggage. And we need to get to the point to where we are content with Jesus. I believe the best candidate for marriage is a person who's content with not being married. When you're in love with Jesus and you get to the place and you allow him to work in your soul, you know, Jesus, I think I'll be okay, but I'm, I'm going to trust you. And you're learning to get your, put your expectation on the Lord and let him meet that need. Because when you as a single person know how to let the Lord meet that need, then when you do get married, you're not going to have to put all that whole thing on her or him. She'll be able to minister and meet some of the desires and things, but then she can't fulfill them all. You need the Lord to do that. Amen? I think that just goes along a lot with false expectations. You know, obviously we have them when we're single, you know, but we also have them when we're married. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, um, we have to bring these expectations. You know, we have first we have them when we're single, and then when we get married and we carry them into the marriage and say, "Honey, all right, now it's time for you to do this. It's time for you to be this way. It's time for you to perform. It's time for you to get my meals. It's time for you to clean my house. It's time for you to go to work and let me stay in bed and sleep in." You know, all these expectations that we have. And, and then we don't know how to deal with them. And that creates a lot of problems in the marriage as well. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention too, getting back to when I was single and I, I submitted to the challenge of the Lord to trust this area to Him. And of course it was tested. You know, and, and just because you submit something to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I trust you in this area, I submit this to you, this doesn't mean that you're not going to have a hard time. Remember, they were alone because I said, okay, no dating. Boom. At, on the middle of a campus? Are you kidding me? You know, my, uh, now I had some friends who made the same commitment, so I hung out with them a lot to get the encouragement and, and you know, just the encouragement and fellowship. But I had a lot of friends that were, that were Christians that did the dating thing, that did all that kind of thing. And so Thursday nights, Friday nights, weekends, I spent a lot of lonely times in the, uh, in the, uh, 
one of the places in, in the dorm watching TV by myself. Like, thinking, man, this stinks. Is this, is this really, am I doing the right thing? You know, especially, hey, so you want to come with us? We're going to such and such a place, or we're doing this or doing that. I said, no, I appreciate the invite, but no thanks. And so there were a lot of times when I was wondering if I made the right commitment. Long time. So just because you say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to make this commitment, thinking, okay, tomorrow he's going to bring the person in your life. It doesn't work that way. He may and he may not. But what we have to be okay with is, am I totally going to submit to him? Can I get to the place to where I know Jesus so much that I can trust him and look to him for my fulfillment? We have to get to that place. We have to get to that place. I remember there was a girl that I met on campus and this is during a time when I made that commitment. And she was a Christian. Said she was, anyway. And uh, I started liking her. Found out she liked me. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, is it okay to pursue a relationship with this young lady? And he said, no. I mean, it, was, it wasn't audible, but I could bet my life on it that he said that. I just knew that he said no. What did I say? Okay, anything you say, Lord. You know what I said? I said, forget you, God. Because, see, I, was, I, was, I allowed my soul to get so infatuated with this person. And then I was expecting God to go along with it and say yes. So I sincerely asked him. And he sincerely answered me with the wrong answer. Like, God, we're not, you're not playing my game here. I, said, I didn't say to his face, forget you. I'm not. Like, what difference? In my heart, I said, forget you. And I began to pursue this girl. And the interesting thing was, some of you guys may understand this, when I started pursuing her, then all of a sudden she said, let's just be friends. <laughs> I said, what? I gave up God for this? I want my money back. At least she had one friend, you know. So, it, so that was a disaster. I remember it was about a year of my life that I was chasing because every time I would be with her, I was thinking, okay, she's going to change her mind. Of course she's going to change her mind. She's going to change her mind. Going to change her mind. Going to change her mind. And my soul was off. We were all just tied up into this thing. And then I remember there'd be times I'd repent and say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I repent of the stupidity and this foolishness. And I'm all yours, Jesus. That would, likely, that would be like in times of worship. I still went to church. Did it all that thing. Get in his presence. Oh God, I'm so sorry. And then I'd be committed until I saw him. That commitment would kind of go to the side. And I'd begin to pursue her again. And that lasted for about a year. And then um, the Lord had mercy on me. And it was so awesome because she, for whatever reason, she wasn't able to come back one semester. So when I had repented and said, God, I need your help. I'm after you. I, I repent of that. So I didn't have to see her for a long extended time. So I was able to get my heart right and allow him to deal with me and help me and free me from that. And then when she came back, oh, thank you. Me and Jesus now. And I, I, you know, and it's interesting because there were times that I cried. I cried. This is I'm trying to remember if this is in my married life, after I've been married. It might have been. Anyway, there's been a number of times when I would cry, rejoicing at God's goodness that he helped me stay out of that situation. Because that relationship would not have been built on God. It would not have been built on righteous standards. It was more a lustful thing. It spared me. He gave me the grace to, to repent from that, and I responded. And it was so cool because I said, God, I, I, I'm sorry. I quit this again. I'm yours. I'm not pursuing anymore. I'm coming after you. And shortly thereafter, a young lady moved to Stewart. <laughs> and Warren and Jean became my favorite people in the whole wide world. That was later, when after you met him. Well, I'm talking about because they produced you. Oh. Oh. 
But anyway, so Lisa came around, and uh, those of you who have been around for a while know Mark and Lori Castleberry. They were, at the time, they were my best friends, and they were the youth pastors here at New Covenant. So I hung out with them all the time. I was passionate about youth and hanging out with youth and everything, and, and so I got to serve with them, serving the youth, and Lisa decided to come and live with her sister and brother-in-law, come to Oklahoma, check out Oklahoma, see, you know, she became a brand new Christian, so she was, you know, what God, what has God had? Brand for? new Christian, like, yeah. no, nothing. Brand spanking new. Nothing. <laughs> so she came, and, and because Mark and Laura were my best friends, of course, I was at their house all the time. And right. all of a sudden, this girl came to town. And he happened to be there. And I happened to be there. No. It was a coincidence. That was not a coincidence. That was. No, it wasn't. He wanted to come check out Lori's little sister. That's, That's right. That's what he wanted to do. Yeah. That's right. But it was so cool, you know, hanging out with Mark and Lori, getting to know Lisa and everything. I thought, you know, she's a pretty cool girl. And I remember um, my heart, actually, before I met her, I, was, I had this suspicion that God was doing something in my heart towards her before I even met her, which is just kind of a crazy thing. But I didn't have a boyfriend when I first moved here. Yeah, I didn't like that. No. So, just to let you know. Anyway. He, so, yeah. Turned out to be not him. a good thing, you know, and that's when I'm like, okay, I'm done, God. No more guys. And then, you know, hello. <laughs> right. So anyway, so we met, and we're, you know, through Mark and Lori getting to hang out and everything. And I remember asking the Lord, because I was starting to like this young lady. I said, Lord, is it okay to pursue a relationship with Lisa? And it was so awesome because I haven't had many visions, but I had one that day. Come on, don't be thinking stuff, y'all. But the vision I had when I, I had my eyes closed and I was in my room and I, was, I had my head on the bed and I was just praying, God, is it okay? Because I did not want to do what I did before. I didn't want to make that same mistake with the other young lady. So I really was open to hearing what God would say this time. I said, Lord, is it okay to pursue? I had a vision of these train tracks. And if you're familiar with train tracks and the sign, the, the red lights that blink, you know, ding, ding, there's a train coming, ding, ding. Well, there was a train track and there was those lights, but they were all green. And I heard him say, go green. <laughs> and I had a worship service right there in my room. <laughs> I love you, Lord. And see, you know, because I came from such a different background, um, I boyfriend thing obviously didn't work out. So I made my commitment. Lord, I don't want to ever date again until you bring the person who I'm going to marry. I didn't know God could talk to you or anything, speak to you. I think it was like maybe two weeks later when he asked uh, me just to go to OSU homecoming walk around. And I was like, yes. And then we went to a movie. And then he's like, well, I got tickets. Do you want to go to the homecoming game tomorrow? I'm like, oh, that'd be, yeah, okay. Well, then we did this weekend thing and hung out and had a really nice time and everything. And and then I remember the um, commitment I made to the Lord. Like, oh, rats, I'm not supposed to date anyone until I know if I'm supposed to marry him. And so I'd be like, well, okay, God, if, if I need to wake up, to, if I need to go to him tomorrow and just tell him, I will. Because I was just so set in my heart. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go out with anyone until I know that's a person. God has me married. I'll, I'm going to do that because that's the commitment I made. And I was set in my heart. So I went to sleep because it was evening when I had that conversation with the Lord. So I went to, went to bed. Well, I had a dream at night. And I'm in my dream, um, I was getting married. And I saw, like, the corner of a, you know, a church, like a sanctuary, looking down. And it was CJ and myself, and we were getting married. And, and it was, you know how you had those, re- <laughs> calm down, honey, calm down. You know, when you have those dreams the Lord gives you, it's so real. You know, you just, it's not like you wake up and think, now what was I dream last night? It's like burning, you're like, wow, well, that dream was so real, I woke up going, wow. You know, and it was just very vivid, I just remember. And then, of course, now remember, I wasn't a Christian. I mean, I was a Christian, but I was a new Christian. And so... And I was like, okay, okay, God, now I want to dream about the honeymoon. What's going to happen on the honeymoon? This is bad. Okay. Well, he wouldn't let me dream, obviously, of the honeymoon. He kept saying, Lisa, it's not time yet. Lisa, it's not time yet. And then I had all these little pizza dreams, you know, that something weird. But he just, and I was sitting on a big deep freezer we used to have when I was growing up. And I was sitting on there, and people were just saying, Lisa, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. 
I woke up thinking, wow, that was pretty wild. That was the first time the Lord had ever spoken to me where I could hear. Um, and so he showed me in his own way, yes, let's go, go ahead and, and pursue this relationship with, with uh, CJ. I was happy to. And so anyway, we went out, uh, took her to the OSU stuff. So we, we go out on that date and everything, and, and then I'm loving life. This is awesome. And then I ask her out again. I'm about to ask her out for something else. can't remember. We started, in other words, we started hanging out together. Yeah, getting to know each other and everything. And, and uh, now my heart, I have to tell you this, I didn't tell her, of course, but my heart was when I was asking God, is it okay to pursue this relationship? It wasn't just a hanging out boyfriend, girlfriend type of thing. I'm thinking marriage. Okay, that was my intent. Because if that's not where this is going, then forget it. Same thing she had, but we didn't talk about this, so we didn't know. And so, uh, so anyway, we're, so we're starting to hang out and everything. And then the Lord asked me, he says, what are you doing? What do you mean, what am I doing? He said, you know, because I was about to ask her out again, or I think I just asked her out for something else. And um, he said, you need, to, you need to ask her father permission to continue this. It's like, oh, no, I don't. You gave me permission. Like, Lord, if you give me permission, what? Anyway, so um, I was like, no way. Because see, I didn't, um, I didn't know Warren and Jean at this time yet. I just met their daughter, and they didn't know me. And, and I'm thinking, and there is. Because he was a, a northerner. Was, oh, you guys were northerners. He, I wasn't yeah, northern. Yeah, he, he was a little darker descended. Yeah, he, he, he People might not know. So that was oh, I forgot to tell you guys that. But anyway. Now, even though that, that's the joke, but that was my concern. Seriously. Uh, I just knew that if I were to ask her father permission, that once he figured out who I was, it was over. It was over. So, and I was like, no, I can't do that. And so I'm having this argument with the Lord. And I knew that if I said, if I asked him permission, he'd say no, and I had to honor that. So I knew asking permission would be the death to this relationship. And then Lord asked me a question. He said, um, do you love Lisa enough or do you care about her enough that you're not willing to come between her and her father? I'm like, no. In other words, did I really care about her that if me would cause a problem with her and her dad, was I willing to back out of the scene? That's what, I, that's what he was asking me. It took me two weeks to come to that place where I said, okay, Lord. Because as much as I really like this girl, if we're not to be together, I want her to be successful. And, you know, I had to work all that stuff out. And so I wrote this long letter to Warren Shea. About, what was it, five pages, something like that? I mean, I was, it was, a, it was a, an apologetic defense letter as to why he should let me take his daughter out. And it was good. I mean, I had A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. I mean, it had all it laid out. It wasn't marriage. It was just, just trying to get to know yeah, his daughter. Yeah, date his daughter. That's what it was. And I spelled all the stuff out. And, of course, me putting it in the mail, I knew it was over. I mean, in my heart, I really thought that the relationship was over. But I had peace because I was okay with him. I was okay with him. And to my surprise, I don't know how long it took. It was an eternity. But... Um, I got this letter in the mail, and it was from them, if that many, <laughs> and it said something to the effect of uh, CJ, he told me, I can't remember all he said, but yes, you have permission to date my daughter, uh, got to go eat Thanksgiving, no, what was it, Easter, it was Easter dinner, got to go, so it was like, yes, you have permission, got to go, I, th- I love this man, <laughs> I so love this man, so anyway, my mom wrote. <laughs> so anyway, so they did give me the permission. And so then we began to pursue a relationship uh, together. And again, one thing I want to reiterate, and not saying this to sound religious or anything, but I really love Jesus. I really did, and I was passionate, and I was committed to him and his calling for my life. And I knew he called me. At that point, I knew I was called full-time ministry. I wasn't in ministry at that time. I was, uh, well, I wasn't in full-time ministry, let me say. But I knew that was the calling of my life, so I knew that the, the lady from my life had to have the same calling. 
And so as we're dating, I'd ask her these questions, thinking I'm being slick and everything. So what do you think about, you know, and ask all these questions. And, of course, she answered them all right. Uh, she must have read the right book or something. I don't know where you got the answers. Anyway, so the more I got to know her, the more I realized I really liked this girl, and I felt like God was saying yes and amen to our relationship. And so then, uh, and I learned, too, that you don't, de- one way to defraud men, one way to defraud a girl is to toy with them about marriage. Making them think that that's your intentions when it's not. Or saying things about marriage to get them to, to do whatever you want, that kind of stuff. And so I so didn't want to fall into that, that trap or to defy, or, um, defraud her or whatever by making her think things. And so I was afraid of the word marriage. So I couldn't even say the word marriage. I had to use the M word. And I remember one time, because I was thinking, you know, we like each other. We're hanging out together and having a great time. She loves to hang out with youth like I did. Um, I'm sure you remember those days, Leah? Anyway, um, we used to hang out and have a great time. And, and we would share dreams and stuff. Oh, yeah, someday I want this and this and this. And she'd say, oh, someday I want this. And she always talked about the kind of house she would like to have. And I talked about I want to have a bunch of boys and play football. And I want a big yard where we can play football and this kind of thing. I don't remember. I thought, no, I'm just kidding. And then I remember one time we were driving. We're just driving. And they just go for a ride with me. And we're driving down Western. And, uh, and I remember we passed a house. And I saw the house. And Lisa said, oh, did you see that house? That was a beautiful house. I said, yeah, I saw it. And she goes, it had, uh, she goes, it had the white picket fence and this and this. And also had a big yard for football. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, I got real quiet. But here's the thing, here's the thing that was going through my mind. You know, I thought, okay, she'll go out with me and date me, but marriage, that's a whole nother level. And I didn't know she was wanting to go there until I heard her say that. She got really quiet, like, you know, like, how your husband just gets quiet? It's not like he has nothing to say, it's just like, hmm. I'm like, well, because inside I was about to go come undone. I was so excited because I thought, she's willing to marry me. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and those of you, now, let me explain something here, okay? Let me explain something to you. Now, those of you who realize, obviously, if, as long as you can see, that she's not black like me. Okay? You guys realize that. Now, I say that in, in humor, but the thing is, is, is that interracial marriage adds a lot of different dynamics to the mix. And, and so, one, at first I thought, well, she's willing to go out with me, but marriage is a whole other thing because then you're bringing two families together and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't think that she was ready to go there. Not anything bad from her, but I just didn't think that. And um, so when she said, hey, it's got this that you desire and it's got this that I desire, she was putting our dreams together. And that just fired me up because I thought, whoa, dude, do that. What a, you know, this is awesome. And uh, so then it's like, so then, um, so then we decided, okay, um, let's, before we proceed any further, because again, I wanted God's will for my life. I wanted God's will for her life. And I said, Lord, if it is your will for us to be married, I have five authority figures in my life that they all five have to say yes. If one out of five says no, then that's your way of vetoing this marriage. In other words, I was not trying to make it difficult, but I wanted to know without a shadow of a doubt that this was God's will. And so I said, God, I'm giving you five opportunities to say no. And uh, I had Pastor Dale my mom and dad, and her mom and dad. And if any of them said no, then it was over. And I remember going to Pastor Dale first, and I was terrified because he's scary. I mean, <laughs> you know, I remember going to Pastor Dale, and, and this was when we were in the storefront, you know, on Frontier Place or Pioneer, whatever it's called. We were in the storefront, and, and I said, hey, Pastor Dale, can I visit with you about something? He said, sure, have a seat. So we sit down, and, and I'm just sweating bullets i'm scared because i never asked about marriage or anything so this is a whole brand new thing and i knew again see i was afraid because i thought he was going to say well cj you know i appreciate this but i think that 
that maybe you, sh- you know, I just thought he was going to say no. Have a, have a godly reason why we shouldn't get married. And so I was afraid. And I said, well, Brother Dale, I wanted to talk to you about me marrying Lisa. Now, we all know how much Pastor Dale expresses emotion a lot. I mean, we, we know that. Yeah, he's very emotional, very up and down, all that kind of stuff. We all know that, right? <laughs> but I remember when I said, Pastor Joe, I want to talk to you about Mary and Lisa. He scared me. <laughs> he stood. He said, he jumped up, praise God, brother. I don't know if you, do you remember that? <laughs> but I mean, he came out of his chair, you know, praise God, brother, and, and you know, congratulate. And I'm just like, whoa, did you not hear what I said? So anyway, he was excited. I mean, obviously the Lord confirmed in his heart, and he was okay with it. And so I'm like, okay, one down, four to go, you know. And I went to my parents, and it was so funny because I thought I was being slick. I called my mom and said, hey, you guys going to be home this weekend? She goes, yeah. And I said, okay, I'm going to just come home and see you. Okay. So I go home, and my parents are divorced and remarried, so I had to go to two different houses. But anyway, I'm, out, I'm hanging out. My mom's, I think she's cooking or something, and I'm just in there hanging out talking. And, and, uh, and she says, I know why you're here. What do you mean you know why I'm here? I'm here just to see you, Mom. She goes, no, you're not. <laughs> she said, I know why you're here. I said, okay, why am I here? She said, you're here to ask us, ask us about Mary and Lisa. It's like, what? So I didn't know how she figured it out, but moms, she said moms know these things. So anyway, so anyway, she said yes. She was blessed. and She said, you have my blessing. I'm so excited for you, that kind of thing. So I went to my dad, same thing. And... Okay, three down. The three easy ones were down. I had two more to go. And they still lived up in South Dakota, Warren and Jean. And I was really, the terif- you know, being terrified went to a whole nother level. And so I call them up. Lisa's sitting right next to me. I call them up. And uh, I think Jean answers the phone. And I said, hi, Jean, this is CJ. And yes. And I said, hey, can I speak to Warren? And she, oh, yeah, he's on the other line. <laughs> what? And so they're both on the other line. And how many times did I ask about the weather? A bunch. How's the weather? Is it cold up there? Is it snowing? I was so scared. Yeah. Yeah, see, they too knew why I was calling. I was the only one I didn't know. I was the. So anyway, so I called and asked them and, and said, you know, could I. I don't remember what I asked. But it has something to do with can I marry your daughter? I don't remember what came out of my mouth. And. And I was so excited to hear uh, Warren say, he said, CJ, we'd be honored to have you as a son-in-law. And so we, and I was like, yes, give her the phone. I'm done. So anyway. Um, fa- so, how's the <laughs> so anyway, enough of that nonsense. Anyway, fast forwarding. So we're pursuing, you know, we're going to get married and all this kind of stuff. And, and there's one more detail I wanted to share. Moving forward and, and uh, God's will and want God's will and his his purpose and everything. And I remember we had the wedding invitation sent out. We had we had the plans, had the date, had the, the preachers set up to, to do the wedding and all this kind of stuff, had the church and everything. And I remember all of a sudden I was starting to have doubt. And I felt like the Lord was showing me through um, that I needed to call the wedding off. And I wasn't. Excuse me, I wasn't really understand i can't remember now what all went on i forget i I suppress those kind of memories but i remember he was really challenging me about uh calling the wedding off and everything and i was like what are you kidding me and so i remember i got to the point i said okay and i remember going over to lisa's house and and she was living with mark and at the time and and talk oh yes right you're in that your trailer and uh so we're talking we're playing cards and everything and i said i need to talk to you about something and she says what's that and i said um I can't remember all I said, but basically I felt like we need to call the wedding off. And she, I explained everything, you know, I, whatever. I don't remember what I said. But anyway, so she says, well, um, she didn't necessarily agree that, you know, that God was necessarily telling her this. But she said, but I'm willing to, if that's what you think. Yeah, willing to pray about it and everything. And so uh, basically in my heart, it was over. We weren't getting married. And we cried. And then... um, I remember going home, and that was a Saturday evening. I remember coming to church Sunday morning, driving by, it used to be, I think it was a Safeway at the time. It was either Safeway or Homeland or one of those, you know, now where it's uh, Hastings. I remember driving by there and stopping at the stoplight, and I remember it was almost an audible voice. 
The Holy Spirit said, now you can marry her. And it wasn't that I had to prove anything to him, but I, was, I guess he was wanting to make sure in my heart that he was still number one. And he said, now you can marry her. Because I was willing to lay it down, even though she was the most important thing outside of Jesus. She was the most important person in my life. I was willing to lay her down because I wanted him. And you know, the cool thing that I appreciated about her is she was all about Jesus, too. And she said, if this is what Jesus wants, then okay. And then I remember just freaking out because he said, I was at the stoplight. He says, you may marry. I'm like, ah! And then again, I had another worship service in the car. And then I can't wait. I come to church. I can't wait to talk to Lisa. And I said, Lisa, the Lord said, yes, we can get married. And she said, well, I knew that. He never told me, no, you know, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, we, we had made a lot of, lot of stuff and everything. So anyway, the, the point I want to make, and we're going to close with this, and we're going to continue next week. Um, but the thing I want to say is not that, you know, how we shared how we did things. And everybody doesn't have to do it the same way. You don't have to do things necessarily the way I did it. But the point is, is this Jesus number one in your life? Is, does he have, have you submitted the area of relationship to him and you're saying, Jesus, I'm yours, and I'm going to trust you with this. And it's not going to be a one-time deal where you say, I trust you with this, and everything's cool. If you entrust it to him, there's going to be a, a war that goes on in your soul until it finally dies. Because it was, I mean, I was going back and forth, and I shared a whole year of struggle. But the main thing is, is God wants you to be successful in the calling that he has for your life. And he doesn't want you to mess it up. By taking things in your own hands and trying to meet your own needs in your own way. He says, do you trust me? Will you let me do it? You know, and, uh, I, you know sharing this through some, some things that are coming to me. You know, maybe you didn't do things right. Maybe you got married because you're pregnant. Maybe you got married, you, did, you weren't even a Christian when you got married, so you think kind of backwards. Um... Maybe everyone warned you about marrying the person and you married them and now there's problems. You know, there's a whole different array of situations out there. But the thing, one thing now is Jesus Lord. Is Jesus Lord in your life now? And if he is, then you are committed to that person to be married. And there is healing and there's restoration. And so by assuring what we went through and, you know, it was, of course, for us, it was a wonderful, beautiful time, and really getting to know the Lord. But it's not to compare with the situation that you have gone through. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, if I could only be like them, we would be wonderful and perfect. And that's not it. You know, I don't want you to think that. I say that because in my female mind, that's how I think. Okay, so I know you guys are like, that lady is crazy. Well, yes, that's true. But um, just, just so you know, is Jesus Lord? Because if he is Lord, and you are married, then he and she is God's will for you right now. And what are you going to do with that? Sometimes we've grown, and we've had one thing that came to my, my uh, mind today when we were praying, or crusty marriages. The Lord me, there's a lot of crusty marriages in the church. And um, I think next week we're going to talk a little bit more about that, breaking off from that crustiness. And some of that may have started way back when we first got married. The, the way back, you know, we're kind of integrating some how you were, you know, when you're um, before marriage, and then some of those things are after marriage. And um, but we just want to challenge you. Just start thinking about what was it like when you first got married. You know, what what things have been going on? What what things have come? And, and are you is Jesus Lord now in your life to where you're committing yourself to His God? Let's all stand together. You just close your eyes with us. And you know, this is, um, you know, relationships is a serious thing. Not a serious in a bad way, but a serious and there's so many ramifications. There's so much potential for the incredible blessing of God in your life like you can't even imagine. But there's also the potential for incredible harm. We can look at all, there's a lot of biblical examples of marriages or, or relationships that went bad and it was just horrible. And examples of that, that which went good. 
And so I just want to encourage you right now, as you're closing your eyes and, and just inviting the Holy Spirit to come, if your relationship started off wrong, your marriage, like Lisa was saying, maybe you got pregnant. If, it's, if your relationship started out in, in, a, in adultery or started out in fornication or started off in whatever, it wasn't God, I want to encourage you to repent of that. In other words, don't just say, well, that was then, we're married. we've been married for 30 years now, or 50, or 5, or however long. But repent and say, God, the foundation I started with in this marriage was wrong. Would you forgive me? And you repent to the Lord, because and, and, he wants to minister to you. And, and if your relationship, your marriage has started off on a wrong foundation, God wants to redo the foundation. But you have to come to him in humility. And then also, I want to encourage and challenge you this week, even today, to get with your spouse and repent to them. And so, you know, when we got married, it was not on the right terms. But I want to ask your forgiveness. Maybe something very challenging for you to do, but God gives grace to the humble. And he wants your relationship to succeed and thrive. And be a light, be a blessing to people around. Father, we thank you that you are for us. We thank you that you're so awesome, Lord. Thank you for the the illustration, just the, the analogy of... 